0: Kia ora welcome to Season Roa, episode tahi of Burn the Patriarchy. A lot has happened over the past few months and I don't even know where to begin. My mental health journey has been nothing short of wild and unpredictable, but I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by so much aroha during this strange point in my life. So, where do I start? Content warning for this episode, I will be discussing topics surrounding suicide and mental health. If you are not in a space where you feel able to listen to a deep talk about these topics, I invite you to hit pause and return to this episode if and when you feel ready. I won't be going anywhere, you're a part of this coven and in this coven we prioritize our mental health. I love you and I'll see you when you come back. As you can see by the title, today's episode is about me reclaiming my voice. Why do I feel the need to do so? And what does reclaiming my voice have to do with burning the patriarchy? Well, in recent months, I've been reflecting on my relationship with social media, especially in regards to Instagram. Now, I've been an Instagram user since I was a teenager back in the 2010s. And over the years, I've watched how much this app has changed. I've experienced censorship. I've had pages shut down as a result of it. But one thing that hasn't changed over time is the fact that I receive a lot of abuse, or some would refer to it as hate, via my messages now i believe a lot of this has to do with the fact that i am a woman simply existing on the internet and being unapologetically myself now way back in the 2010s when i first joined instagram as a teenager i used it as a place to post my cosplays this resulted in numerous sexually aggressive messages from grown-ass men and then during university when i started to use my instagram as a place to promote my sex work i would receive the same sexually aggressive messages but this time they were followed up by messages from women asking me to block their boyfriends and slut shaming me. Or women coming into my messages asking me for advice about sex work and feeling entitled to my time, energy and knowledge. In 2019, I created an Instagram for my blog. The Instagram was at blog, and it was used to promote my writing, my sex work activism, as well as promoting and providing resources for sex workers and our allies. Because of this, I received messages from civilian folks disagreeing with my lifestyle. I got death threats, rape threats, die from cancer messages. I've constantly been told that I should just kill myself so there's one less worthless gold-digging whore on our planet. It's a lot of strangers making assumptions about me and feeling the need to project their narrative onto me via my DMs. And in all honesty, I'm just sick of it. This is my podcast. My Instagram is my Instagram. My Twitter is my Twitter. My voice is mine. My stories and lived experiences are valid. I am not a company. I am not a religion. I am a person and I do not need to abide to your ideologies on how one should conduct themselves on social media. I especially don't need life advice from civilians who have never worked in the sex work industry. I have always been an outspoken and passionate woman, but I have been silenced so much in my life. This is something that I'm sure queer folk who are on the neurodiverse spectrum can relate to. I see you and I hear you. I want and deserve for my social media to be a safe space where I get to connect to other sex workers, promote my shows and advocate for the things that reflect my morals and or impact my life. Don't like it? Hit unfollow. Because my intention for 2022 is that I am no longer silencing myself for the comfort of others. I did not ask you to be here you can leave as you please. You have free will. If I critique a celebrity that you love and you take it personally, that's on you. If I have an opinion on something that impacts me and sharing my opinion upsets you, you can unfollow me. I have an obscured sense of self after spending my teenage years being gaslit and groomed by a man almost triple my age, and my imposter syndrome almost resulted in me taking my life a few months back. I considered leaving social media entirely because the messages of abuse were messing with my sense of self-worth and my worth as an individual. But why should I leave? I'm an online activist. I use social media to advocate for the sex work community. When you come into my DMs telling me to be quiet, you are simply feeding into the abuse that us sex workers face on a day-to-day basis. Now I know what you may be thinking. Well, vixen, that's the price you pay for having a social media presence. You put yourself and your opinions on the internet, your profiles are set to public and therefore people have a right to respond to you. And you know what? You're absolutely right. This is very true, and as I said, I am open to constructive criticism. I am a big believer in changing your opinion when presented with new information, so regardless of my intentions. If my words or actions are causing harm in any way, then I want to be called in and held accountable. So my DMs are always open to constructive criticism. Now, I try to stay in my lane and advocate for things that I have lived experiences in, but I also believe that you should advocate for areas of life and communities that don't directly impact you, because allyship is so important. But it's important not to center yourself in issues that don't affect you, and instead elevate the voices of those that it does impact. I've had to be called in before, and I am so grateful to those who have taken the time to do so. And I'm so sorry if I ever have or ever do put you in a position where you feel that you have to take time out of your day to educate me. But please know that I want and crave learning and growing as a person. I've sat with myself and decided that I am prepared to do the work, even the ugly side of it, to grow as a person. I'm in the process of unlearning societal conditioning, and it won't stop until the day I die. I hold so much privilege as a white cis woman, but I am also a queer neurodiverse sex worker, so there are times in my life where I have been a victim of systematic oppression. I have celiac disease, which I would class as an invisible illness. I would also consider my PTSD, crippling anxiety, and undiagnosed ADHD to be a disability in my life. These aspects of my health have impacted all parts of my life, including my work, my education, relationships, and also the fact that I genuinely wanted to end my life last year because the trauma of living with these illnesses can be so crippling that I just wanted to die. But I also benefit from these oppressive structures as a cis pakeha-presenting woman, so I greatly appreciate when people do call me in and I am able to learn. Nobody is perfect but I believe that we can decolonize our minds. We can unlearn misogyny, ableism, transphobia, etc. It just takes a lot of work and a lot of inner healing. I recall moments in my life, even going back to my childhood, where I can see through grown-up eyes how I have benefited from systematic oppression of people who don't look like me. But I can also recall moments where I have seen others be prioritized over me. For example, I'm a 25-year-old woman with ADHD, and it was never noticed in me as a child. I'm still seeking an official diagnosis, and it feels close to impossible in this current mental health climate. If I had been born in the body of a cis male, I likely would have been diagnosed a lot sooner. All of the experiences that I was reflecting on over the four months that Tamaki Makoto was in lockdown are things that I really want to unpack on Season 2 of Burn the Patriarchy. For those of you who are familiar with the Tarot, I would compare the process of unlearning societal expectations to the Tower. Liz Dean describes the Tower in her book The Ultimate Guide to Tarot as, quote, a point of awakening. In the major arcana sequence, it falls after the devil. If the devil is pride, ego and arrogance, then the Tower is a fall from grace. It is a necessary stage of breakdown and rebuilding so our horizons can expand, end quote. The tower invites you to take a long, hard look at the foundations you were built upon. Do they complement your morals, or do they contradict them? Our society is built on an impressive foundation. If society is a tower, the foundation is racism, bigotry, patriarchy, etc. At the top of our tower are straight, cis, white, able-bodied, rich men and sometimes women who built this foundation off the labour of marginalised communities. The tower is built on fear, oppression, stolen land, and generational trauma. The structure keeps the privileged rich, while leaving the oppressed to fight tooth and nail towards what feels like an impossible dream. But it's not impossible, because this foundation is weak. It's slowly crumbling because so many of us are starting to challenge it. Now, I do want to make it very clear that people have been challenging our foundation for centuries, just take a look back at the many amazing activists our history has had. Most of them history tried to erase, but we held on to their voice and their message. Over the past two years in particular, we have seen an increase in people questioning the status quo. As a result of the pandemic, many of us, myself included, have realized just how oppressed we all are as a result of capitalism. We have watched governments push for people's right to work over their right to accessible health care. We are questioning these oppressive structures, and thanks to social media, many of us who would have once been silenced now have a platform to share their stories. And yet, even then, we are being censored by racist, misogynistic guidelines that seek to uphold our current oppressive foundation. A generation of us are waking up to the realization that how our world operates is not only killing humans, it's killing our planet. We are guests to Mother Earth, and we have abused her kindness. The tower is collapsing, and I want to burn it to the ground and dance naked on the ashes. Then we can rebuild a world where compassion is a virtue and apathy is frowned upon, where the feminine is embraced as much as the masculine, where toxic masculinity and white feminism are a thing of the past, and those who still maintain oppressive structures are ostracized by society until they are willing to do the inner work and evolve beyond their hate and ignorance. Humans are tribal creatures. That is a fact. Our brains are wired to seek communities, and unfortunately so many beautiful cultures and societies have been destroyed by the current tower we are all living in. During the pandemic, I finally leaped from the tower and watched as the illusion I had that the world was a safe space where everyone had equal opportunity was shattered. The tower may look appealing on the inside. Trust me, I was there. It may even feel safe to many of us. But once I took a step back to really take in the tower, I finally saw just how hideous and weak the foundation is. It's absolutely hideous. But I believe there is still hope. Because after the tower comes the star. And how many of us look to the stars for a sense of hope in times of darkness? The light is coming, but it takes work and persistence. It takes commitment to the cause. The cause being abolishing oppressive structures and burning the patriarchy. Back to Reclaiming My Voice. Going forward, I intend to no longer give my energy to messages that are just plain verbal abuse and bullying. The second you resort to name-calling, threats, making assumptions about my integrity or morals, or adding fire to my suicidal tendencies, I'm blocking you. It's no longer constructive when these methods are used, it's just causing more harm. That's not to say that you owe me kindness if I offend you, but I can't learn and grow as a person through bullying and name-calling and threats. And I don't believe I've ever posted anything that warrants death threats and or being told to take my own life. I know I post depressing content, but I am an activist. I can't ignore the things I post about because they impact me directly. And if it's not something that impacts me, it's a cause that I care greatly for. If my content depresses and or upsets you, you can mute or unfollow me. I post content that can be triggering, so please put your mental health first. Know that I won't take offence if you need to take a break from following me. Even if you never come back. You do you. You have autonomy. But please don't come into my DMs asking me to be quiet or to stop victimising yourself. You want to be a victim so badly. Trust me, I don't. No one wants to be a victim. Stop telling me to be quiet just because I'm posting content that makes you uncomfortable. What I'm trying to say is, I'm really tired of trying to justify my existence on social media. I'm shadow banned. I've had multiple accounts deleted for advocating for sex workers and sexual assault survivors. I have a love-hate relationship with social media that I'm sure many of you can relate to. I want to use my platform to post things that inspire me, share resources about sex positivity and sex work, promote my work, and anything that I believe could contribute towards burning the patriarchy. That means talking about racism, ableism, misogyny, etc. I want the world to heal, but first we need to abolish toxic structures and abuse. We need to dismantle oppressive structures, and that starts from within. Ask yourself, how have I contributed to the oppression of others? Have I ever benefited from the oppression of others? How have I been impacted by this oppressive structure? These are questions we all need to be asking ourselves. Burn the patriarchy isn't just a catchy tagline for me. It's genuinely how I live my day-to-day life. It's a daily practice for me to unpack my internalized misogyny, racism, etc. in order to unlearn the patriarchal conditioning we have all been exposed to. I am a victim of the patriarchy just as much as I have benefited and contributed towards it. All I can hope to achieve here at Vixen Temple Presents Burn the Patriarchy is to provide a safe space for those of you who are also angry at this masculine-driven society and also carry so much patriarchal trauma. This is a safe space to be an angry bitch. Your anger is valid. I'm fucking angry too. And given the right circumstances, anger can be your body's way of alerting you that an injustice has been enacted against you. So if that's the case with you, Let's use that anger to push towards change. I hope one day we can burn the fucking patriarchy together. But until then, here's a wee mantra for myself and those of you who also receive unnecessary abuse in your DMs. I banish anyone who enters my DMs with ill intentions and I only welcome those with constructive criticism and or love. Thank you so much for listening and i'm so excited about future podcast episodes i intend to post once a month but i don't want to hold myself to an unrealistic standard because i have executive dysfunction and life happens i have adhd so my motivational levels are extremely unpredictable i am hoping to hire an editor to help me with the podcast so that i can try work towards building a more structured and consistent schedule But I also think that us neurodiverse folk all too often hold ourselves to neurotypical standards. And you know what? I thrive on chaos. So, when will I post another episode? Ideally in a month, but who knows? I'm just so grateful every time I receive an email saying that people are still listening to my podcast. It really means a lot to me that you have received my voice. And I'm so honoured to have you be a part of this coven where we hope to burn the patriarchy. Fuck capitalism, eat the rich, burn the patriarchy. Adohanui Coven, and I'll see you in the next episode. Uh, cool. Recording in process. So, hello, welcome to the show. Um, do you just want to start by introducing yourself, first of all?
1: Okay, uh, my name's Jordan Quinn. I'm the curator of the annual Six Workers
0: of Aotearoa Art Exhibition and the co-owner of NZ Pleasures. Awesome love it. I mentioned that I'm an independent (laughs) sex worker. (laughs) Yes and you're an independent sex worker so cool you're a a busy woman by the sounds of it. Yeah yeah I keep myself entertained. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us about the Sex Workers of Aotearoa Art Exhibit so this is the fourth year that it's running so do you want to talk through Where the idea came from, how it started, how, you know, just tell us about the journey of Six Workers of Art at Art Exhibit.
1: Okay. Um, So it started back in um, 2019, which is, so it started in Wellington in 2019, which is what makes this year so exciting because we're going back to Wellington. So we've kind of come full circle. Like we did Wellington and then we did Auckland in 2020 and then we did Christchurch in 2021 and now we're back to Wellington. So it's kind of coming back to where it all began. Um, which is quite exciting. Uh, and I feel like a lot of the entries, like every year there's there's more of a majority of Wellingtonians that enter. Like Wellington's a very creative city. Um, and so I feel like this year is going to be big, hopefully. <laughs> um, so where it started back in 2018, um, I was interviewed for a documentary called The Secret Life of Sex Workers. And up until quite recently, it was still available on um, TV and Z on Demand. Um, it's no longer up there. Uh, but it was three short interviews. Um, so one was myself, um, one was a um, transgender um, sex worker from down south, and one was a brothel operator. And during the interview, like this is before I became face out. So the whole interview is just my, my red lips down, um, which is quite weird and just sidetrack. I remember when my mum was like, Oh, I want to watch it. I'm like, okay, mum, first opening scene is my tits. Just, just, be aware. <laughs> um, just so you know, <laughs> yeah, just, you know, FYI. Um, but no, she, she watched it and she thought it was great. But the, the thing about doing that documentary, I'm really glad I did it. It was something really out of my comfort zone. Um, and you know the, the director was lovely and the camera person was great but it got to a point especially at the end the very last question was is sex work empowering and if you're a sex worker it's one of those questions It's like oh god here we go like you're rolling your eyes <laughs> um and I'm really happy with the way I answered it And a lot of people who saw the documentary was like you answered that really well can't remember how I answered it now I was
0: about to say do you remember but, what you said
1: <laughs> I don't I don't I remember shrugging i remember shrugging at the end but the, the, the documentary ends with me going who? you know <laughs> that's iconic um, oh that's all folks <laughs> yeah. yeah that's all folks um <laughs> uh so it got it got me thinking about you know after watching myself in this documentary how you know neither of the people who were interviewing me um were sex workers or had been in the industry um they just had this this interest of wanting to you know share our secret lives in inverted commas um and the, the questions were all kind of you know, reasonably the, the common questions that we get asked. Um, and I thought, you know, why aren't sex workers sharing their own stories? Like, why is it always an outsider that has to share our, you know, our secrets and, you know, give give civilians an inside glimpse into the sex industry? And and it's really obvious. It's, it's you know, stigma, stereotypes and discrimination. Like, nobody wants to put themselves out there. Uh, it's a really scary thing to do. And so I thought, how... Could I create a space where uh, sex workers can share their stories without doxing themselves? Um, And I thought, well, an art exhibition. (laughs) So you get sex workers from all over the country. They, they enter in their art. They can put their, their sex worker name or anonymous or an artist name on there. They don't have to risk doing it. So I do all the, all the legwork. You know, I'm the one that reaches out to the galleries. I'm the one that if there is paperwork that leads needs a legal name, that it's my legal name on there. Um, nobody has to risk putting themselves out there, but they can share their stories, um, which is really important. Um, so that's, that's how it came about.
0: (laughs) That's really cool. That's really cool hearing the history behind it. That's, I can't believe it's its fourth year. It feels like it's been going on for a long time, but it's, it's still a new baby. It's still quite a recent thing. I'm hoping it carries on for a long time though. Is that the plan? Do you want this to be something that happens every year? How long do you intend on doing this for? Yeah, I, I don't want it
1: to stop. I would like it to keep going. Um, and, you know, my my second in charge, my my sidekick, Addison, that I call her, um, you know, I, a lot of this I couldn't do without her. She's she's very helpful. And we were discussing about, you know, how does this continue if I decide to stop it? Um, and we were looking into making it uh, its own entity, its own charitable entity, and, you know, making a, a board of people and getting more people on board. Um Comes again with its own risks like who wants to risk putting their name on a board and so those sort of things I'm still working out um for now it's just me and Edison <laughs> um but I I love it like sure it gets stressful as hell and every year I get to a point where I'm like why am I doing this <laughs> but then you get to opening night and I stand up there in front of everyone and I'm looking at everyone's artwork and I, last year, I cried.
0: <laughs> I remember that. I I um, cried too.
1: <laughs> yeah, I got really teary. Um, and I just thought this this is why I do it. This is why I go through the hard slog and you know trying to find venues and following up with people and um, getting pushback and um, it's totally worth it. And we've we've definitely nailed the process now. Like we have a six page document, step by step. This is how you put it together. Um, we've got it down pat. <laughs>
0: yeah good on you well I want to get all the negative stuff out of the way first do you mind if we talk about what happened last year when we were you were trying to advertise six workers of Aotearoa art exhibit and we got referred to as slaves would you like to talk about what happened there in your own words and how you dealt with it I look back on that and I don't see it as negative at all At, at the time
1: when I first got that email back And my heart started racing, and I got anxious, and I'm like, oh, my God, I've offended somebody. Like, I'm a horrible person. Um, That initial conflict was awful. But now you look back on it, there's no such thing as bad publicity. So for, obviously, people who have no idea what we're talking about, um, for the Christchurch exhibition, I reached out to a whole lot of art shops down in Christchurch and just, you know, generic blob about, hey, um, this is what we're doing. If you could, you know, print this poster and put it up in your art job like if you have one of those little notice boards let people know that this exhibition's on and you either get a positive reply no reply or this is the first time getting something really negative um so we had this i'm pretty sure i can mention his name can of i go for it's it already all out there it's in the, yeah it's in the papers okay, <laughs> i was gonna say this, the news got involved art metro, art metro is this, yeah it's already on stuff you can find all about it so art metro was the um Christchurch art shop and his name is simon simon well Measley? i'm probably pronouncing that wrong anyway he replied saying that you know he would stand against the art show because what we're doing is the oppression of women and children and yeah we're slaves and i can't even remember all the things he said like i could look it up and read it word for word um i feel like i should you have to edit
0: this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Oh, if you will, I'm, oh, I'm going to edit it. I'm going to read out what he said and then edit you in your it? response. Yeah. So I'm going to, when I edit it, I'm going to read out the whole thing that he said to you and then talk, edit you talking about it. So you don't have to worry about that. I've got that on standby, but, um, perfect. yeah. So like, yeah, so you responded quite well to it though. You ended up incorporating it into the promo for the um, like the art and everything, it was incorporated into the show. So like you said, no publicity is bad publicity.
1: Yeah, so it was kind of, at at first, like I said, my my first reaction was, you know, fear and anxiety. And I messaged a friend and I was like, I've just received this. How do I respond? And she's like, you know, nice and calm. Ask him, you know, where his opinions came from, blah, blah, blah. And you can see that in my response in the email. And I, um, so I did. And he replies again with a very chunky paragraph very in-depth um, feelings and so from there we, we printed off well, actually let back first we put it on Twitter I put screenshots and was just like thoughts and let people respond um, and I'd say that 90% of the responses were like you know he's living in the dark ages his you know comments are really discriminatory they're not helpful they're harmful you know stuff like that and I think the scariest thing was when I actually Googled who this person was, is he ran for the new Conservative Party the year before. So what's worse is this is somebody, he's not just an art shop owner. This is somebody who had the potential to get into Parliament and to make laws about groups like us, which is just insane. Um, And so, again, it it made complete sense that his views were like that. You know, the new new Conservatives are anti-single mothers and, you know, religious this and that. And um, So, yeah, we we put it on Twitter and then it got picked up by... um, is it Z Talk, ZB Talk Radio?
0: News Talk ZB was it?
1: News Talk ZB, there we go. It got picked up by News Talk ZB very briefly. Um, but it was still cool to be on there. And then um stuff picked it up, the press picked it up. Um so no, really, really great publicity. And the amount of people that came in and were like, Oh, oh my god, you know, I, I shop there, I do art classes there. I, I I didn't know that he had these views. And it's like, of course you don't. Um, but here it is. And I'm I get the feeling that he regrets doing it through the business email. His personal views through the through the business, Um, and I think in an interview with him, he does admit that oh, maybe he shouldn't have been so harsh in his wording. But in the same in the same um, respect, I'm glad that he was. You know, these are these are his true views, and there are lots of people's views who completely agree with him. Um,
0: And that's the point of the show, right? the point of the show you're trying sorry? to that's the point of the show right the the exhibit is that you're trying to get sex workers to speak for themselves and you know try to educate the general public because often the theme is the day in the life of a sex worker so that's yeah. brings me to my yeah. next question and actually oh no sorry you go
1: oh it fit perfectly into last year's catalogue theme too because last year's catalogue theme was a whole lot of um angry heads and speech bubbles saying all this stereotypical discriminatory stuff and so i just took one of them put his words in there boom advertising um no it it fit in perfectly
0: yeah well the, my next question was actually I've always attended as a sex worker on the sex workers night so I've never gone back and mixed and mingled with the general public what is the general public's response to the exhibit because that's who it's so cool as a fellow sex worker seeing the artist but that's who the feedback I'm really curious about so what's the general public's oh. thoughts and perceptions on the ones that you've been to Um, oh sorry there's a rubbish truck outside just one moment (coughs) give (laughs) me a a chance to cough oh it's been doing this all morning it's my interview day and it's just rubbish truck rubbish. I I shouldn't do interviews on Tuesday I think that's my rubbish truck day
1: (laughs) yeah wrong day for it are you right near the street
0: no I'm a little bit behind it so I don't know why I can hear it so well it must have come up my driveway a little bit wait have you moved to Wellington now no, I'm down in Dunedin. I'm moving to Wellington um, towards the middle of the year. I'm down here at the moment working on that um, disabled healthcare uh, survey project. So when I'm finished that, I'm probably going to move up to Wellington, but still coming to the show awesome. regardless. I've got my flights booked and everything. <laughs> yeah. oh. All right, the rubbish truck's gone. Okay, sorry about that. So yeah, the general public's feedback on the show, what's, it, what's the, the good and the bad? What's it been like? Cool. Um, so I'll
1: just quickly sidestep the, the first two years that we did Swawa, um, in Wellington, it was completely um, run by the gallery's volunteers, so I wasn't there all the time. So the only feedback I got was through forms. With Auckland, I minded the gallery for, I think it was two Sundays out of the two weeks. Again, it was minded by those volunteers, and so the feedback was mostly through forms, unless I managed to talk to some people. Last year, I was there for the, almost the entire two weeks, so... The feedback was extremely different i had the forms and then i talked to so many people um and there's actually feedback on the website you can you can go down to last years and you can see i, I put up a bunch of feedback and it's it's a mix of um you know this this is really great you know sex work is a human too blah 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 um or it's a kind of um unexpected like, they were like, oh, I never thought about it like this way, or, oh, this is really eye-opening, or I've never thought of sex workers, or I've never thought of the industry. And so it's just, it's a whole new world for people. Um, there were, like, sitting there and seeing who comes in and out, there's always people that walk in and do a really quick glance and go, oh, my God, this is not for me, and immediately leave. And you kind of, you know, you go up to them and say hi, and they're just, like, super awkward. They're like, just get me out of here. Um, so, no, massive mix. Um I think in the general feedback there was never anything and never anything horrible. Um, just people having their eyes opened or people really proud, um, to, to see the show. Um, yeah. Overall pretty good.
0: (laughs) That's good. You mentioned that you cried last year and I remember that too. Um, I've been to two of the shows now. I missed the first one. I've been to the previous two and it is an emotional night, especially when it's all the sex workers there. Um, why do you think why do you think the Six Workers of Art Art Exhibit is so important?
1: Um oh, put me on the spotlight there.
0: <laughs> or oh, oh, I well, could rephrase you know, it like what hmm or well, do you feel like I like, I guess like, what what is it about it that you think speaks to other sex workers so much i mean we just we're all we're all so separate people we all have a different experience and we're telling it through art why is it that you think this is so important for us to tell our own stories
1: well i think with um you know the representation of the industry in in the media it's not like sex work is a spectrum there is no black and white in sex work it's not just you know, oh, it's sex worker is this or sex worker is that. It's like, no, it's a spectrum. It's every shade of grey. And I think a lot of people struggle to understand that because, like you said, like, people have different experiences. And so um, someone might meet a sex worker and, the, and then they make this assumption that all sex work's like that. And so this exhibition gives you a really vast array of the different experiences and the different types of people who do it and why they do it, which I think is really important. Um You know, you can't fit all sex workers into one box. It's 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 such a vast difference between all of us. And then for for sex workers themselves, like I remember the very first opening night, Wellington 2019. And people were just like, This is incredible. I feel like I'm in such a safe space. I could talk to people. I met other sex workers. Like some people had never met another sex worker. They they work in their own little bubbles and they go home and they work in their own little bubbles and and they'd never met other people and that, that just blew my mind because I'm a sexual and a social butterfly. Um, and so for a lot of people having a, an, an evening where they didn't have to filter what they said, where they could be really honest, where they could, you know, share their experiences and other people go, yeah, me too, I feel that too. Um, that was super important. And I think for, for sex workers coming to see the show, they resonate with so many of the artworks or maybe some of them are like, oh, you know, I didn't consider that perspective either. Um, and I think being a, a curator of the show is quite interesting because I remember thinking the first year um, there was one particular artwork that was like, "Oh my god, can we put this in? Is this going to offend people?" And I thought, "No, I, I can't. I can't curate people's, um, you know, voice. Like, what what I get, unless it's completely derogatory against a specific group, then you know, I'm not. I'm not curating." Um, and so, yeah it's really important to have people share their voice from their experience un, unaltered from by media agenda or any agenda, really.
0: You mentioned before that it's just the two of you um, in a team together. So you really rely on donations. So could you talk about where to donate and where the donations go towards and just talk about, pro- push the donation. I'm going to put a bit in it about how to donate towards the show.
1: So SFOA is completely run um, on donations. Every year we set up a give a little page. Um, this year we're aiming for $6,000. I remember the first year I did it, I remember thinking, oh, you know, nobody's gonna donate to this, um, <laughs> but we did get donations. So the more money we get this year, the more is going on, the more money's going on to advertising. Um, and we've also applied for the Wellington City Council Creative um, Community Scheme. So I'm really hoping that they're gonna pay our, um, our gallery Funding because that's two and a half grand alone just to hire the gallery. Um, so the other day I checked our funding and we've just hit the four thousand mark, which is really cool. Um, so two thousand more to go, and I know I know we'll go over that. Um, people are very generous and very giving when it comes to SOWA. They they really believe in what what's you know what's happening. Oh, and then the other thing I'll say is everyone who donates twenty dollars or more, I will emphasize that all more. <laughs> Um, I will email you and give you the opportunity if you would like a catalogue. Um, I post out the catalogues once the exhibition's over.
0: I have a catalogue from the two years I've attended. They're so cool. They're such cool things to have. <laughs> um so when I'm, I
1: I've been thinking like it'd be really cool in like the ten year mark to do like a a special set and get them printed in like hard copy or something like. Oh, surely every single. I, sin I would
0: I would buy that and just frame it on my mantelé eh? like this, the, the I've still got my art piece that I bought last year. It's in my. It's. A, I haven't hung it yet, but like, the art there is incredible. And for people who don't know this, you can you can buy the art. So do you want to promote that the art's for sale? Yeah, Yep, art is for sale. Um, not.
1: Every artist wants to sell their artwork. So there's always like two or three pieces that are not for sale. But generally, um, most of it is. And it ranges in price. Um, the styles, we have so many different mediums. You get, you know, photography, sculpture, um, acrylic, watercolour, um, ceramic, uh, mixed media, so many different things. I mean, the first year we had a human statue. Um, obviously, you couldn't buy the human statue, but <laughs> they were there on opening night, which is really cool.
0: But it's sex work. I can't buy her, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Um Yeah, you've also had performance artists, not just me, but last year there's been some amazing performance artists coming in. So it's really all the medium. You can um you can put forward anything. So just saying that I'm gonna be releasing this on Monday. Um, do you wanna record a little bit promoting for sex workers to apply and how to apply and just like just sort of say what you just said then, like any medium, so do the promo if, you, if you'd if you like. Cool.
1: So uh, entry forms into SWOA 2022 are open until April 14th. So that's the last day to get the entry form filled in and completed. The artwork doesn't need to be finished and delivered until May 12th. So you've got another four weeks after that. Um, so April 14th, if you've been thinking about entering SWOA, which every year people are like, I'm going to enter next year. It's like, do it. Do it this year. <laughs> Fill in that entry form. And you don't have to be a fancy artist, you don't have to be trained. It's about the story and the voice behind the artwork that is the most powerful thing. Um, and we always put up artist statements so you, you get a chance to explain um, the story behind the artwork as well. And we take any medium. I'm gonna say any with an extra aster- asterisk in case I think of something that we won't accept. But, you know, photography, acrylics, watercolor, drawing, mixed media, um we've had film uh poetry we've got somebody who's writing a small book we've got designs um performance if you are thinking of doing performance please reach out to me because we'd love to have you to perform on the opening night um god what else have we had installations sculpture pottery um stickers i think we had stickers one year
0: yeah cool (laughs) cool if you can see it it, submit
1: it. <laughs> oh, embroidery. We had an awesome embroidery piece. Um in Auckland. It was the embroidered sign language that if you understood. Sign
0: language, it said fuck. <laughs> I remember that. I remember that piece. It's so cool. Like it's so gay. Sex work and embroidery. That's so gay. I love it. <laughs> It's so wholesome. It's actually so wholesome. Um, Well, I suppose we could conclude with the last statement. It's kind of a, you've kind of answered it already, but it's a broad one. I usually ask this to most of my guests that I have on the show. Um, I'm not going to ask, is sex work empowering? (laughs) I'll ask. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, so, is it empowering? (laughs) No, my question (laughs) is what do you wish people understood about the sex work industry?
1: oh what do I wish people understood um yeah that it that it is a spectrum um there is no black and white when it comes to sex work or the industry and I think when it comes to having discussions around sex work that you have to remember that you have to remember it's every shade of gray um it's not black and white and oh
0: having a brain fog moment with (laughs) music Oh, I get these the second they hit record. I'm like, and eh, my brain's gone.
1: <laughs> what was I going to say? What do I wish people knew about the sex industry? Um, I guess when it boils down to it, like, I want people to see us as human. And and I know that loads of people do, but every now and then, you know, you get the, the discriminatory, the blah, 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 blah. you get the stereotypical, um, or, um, the stigmatizing comments that reflect that, you know, some people don't see us as human. Some people don't see the industry as legitimate. And the the reasons why people enter the industry are also so vast. Um, And I think from becoming a sex worker myself, I've become a lot less judgmental. You know, I'm a lot more um, open-minded. I'm a lot more um, willing to understand um, why people do what they do. And... um, appreciate different people's viewpoints even if I may not have experienced the same or even if I don't agree with it you know did
0: I answer that no that was a really good answer that was that was great I was like yeah I'm gonna get emotional I agree though it's it's really the bare minimum it's like I just want people to see us as humans it, it's so complex but it's like they they really don't they really make it clear that they don't like we were literally referred to as slaves and you know we're having a man tell us that we're exploiting women. that it's like it's just people do not view us as autonomous beings so like yeah you you really summarized it thank you um well to conclude do you want to promote all of your plugs not just all your twitters all your facebook's promote whichever ones you'd like Oh my god. I have so many. <laughs> exactly. So, Do them um, and I will link them in the um, show notes as well. So don't worry, they'll be there. If you forget any, I'll make sure they're all there. But are there any you want to push like your company's Twitter and everything?
1: Yeah. Okay. So first first I'll push SWAWA. So the SWAWA website is regularly updated. swoa.co.nz. We we're on Twitter. So SW Aotearoa. um the same handle is on Instagram, swaltoroa. Facebook is SW of Ultima. Facebook doesn't get used as much, you know. If you want to keep up to date, stick with our Twitter and our Instagram. Um, I really want to promote NZ pledges. So the only, I feel like I'm saying this right, the only platform in New Zealand that is run by sex workers for sex workers, aka myself (laughs) and my business partner, Um, so, you know, if you want to support a platform that supports you and that, you know, is in the trenches with you, like, you know, how many platforms out there have never sucked a dick in their life? That's what I always say. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, go support NZ Pledges. That's Um, And we support all different people from uh, from all sectors of the industry. So Escort, Central Massage, um, BDSM, Fetish, and Online Services. And then I guess if if people want to follow me, you can find me on Twitter at at giggly
0: underscore Jordan. Yay! Um, also, when is the show this year? What date? Where and oh when? Shit, that's like the most important date. Ever. Yeah, I was like, hang on a minute. We should probably finish with when can we go to the show and when? How do we get there? <laughs> what have we forgotten? Okay, so uh,
1: we were accepted into the New Zealand Academy of Fine Arts, which sounds super fancy. Um, So the NZAFA, it's on the Queen's Wharf waterfront of Wellington. Um, The the space that we've got, is this beautiful, beautiful white gallery, big windows, lots of light. Super excited to be there. And it'll be on from June 11th to 26th. And if you're a sex worker, keep the evening of June 11th free because that's when we'll be having opening night. And I am just going to quickly say that if you're a client and listening to this, I'm sorry, but you cannot come to opening night. <laughs> come during the day and support us then. But um, please leave opening night for six office only.
0: Yay. Oh, thank you, Jordan. Okay, cool.